So here we are. We're coming now to the final message in the series on spiritual warfare. But as you know, the, the series on spiritual warfare has been in the context of our study through uh, Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And so next week, we will finish Ephesians, and uh, that will be at the um, 16-month mark. So a year and a half, we've been in Ephesians, and we'll wrap it up next Sunday morning. But like I said, we come to the final spiritual warfare message here today. And so uh, picture in your mind this Roman soldier. Paul has, has painted this picture for us. Here's a soldier. He's decked out in his armor. He has the, the breastplate on. He has that, that helmet there. The sword is at his side, uh, the belt and the, the sandals, and he has there the shield of faith. And so from that particular standpoint, he seems to be uh, completely equipped, yet um, he's not necessarily ready to fight for the two essentials to victory that he might not yet possess are skill and strength. So you see, you can take a person, you can put them in a uniform and you can give them a gun or a weapon of some sort and you can say, okay, you know, go out and fight the enemy. But unless there's been training, unless there is... Uh, the physical uh, fitness and the mental preparedness, uh, victory is uncertain at best. And so for us, moving from the picture of the Roman soldier to the Christian soldier, we have a similar kind of a situation. We can be equipped in the sense that we've got the, the, the breastplate of righteousness and the helmet of, of salvation and uh, the sword of the spirit and so forth. But we also need to be fortified spiritually. And that fortification or that, that thing that would correspond to the physical fitness or mental preparedness, uh, the thing that corresponds to that for us spiritually is given to us through prayer. And so Paul doesn't disconnect prayer from the armor. He connects it to. So uh, the armor of God, any putting on of the armor of God that would exclude prayer would leave us short of everything that God has intended for us. Now, the Bible, of course, is a book that says much about prayer. And we have several examples in the scripture of men and women who prayed. We have plenty of exhortation to pray and the reason is uh, prayer is really the energy, it's the force, it's the fuel, if you will, that empowers the church of God to advance the kingdom of God. You see, if we did everything but left out prayer, we would not gain a whole lot of ground. Prayer is, is the driving force. It's the, it's the fuel, as I said, uh, that's going to propel us forward in advancing the kingdom. So if we're making little progress in our lives personally, or if, if the church is making little progress uh, in advancing the kingdom, 
then it probably is due to a lack of prayer. C.H. Spurgeon said regarding prayer, he said, my own soul's conviction is that prayer is the grandest power in the entire universe. So think about that. We just have right at the tip of our tongue or even closer, you know, at just the thought of our minds, we have access to this this power, this grandest power in the entire universe. He went on to say that it has more power. Prayer has more omnipotent force than electricity, gravitation. Of course, this was long before the understanding of nuclear power, but you could include that in it. Uh, Or any other of those secret forces which men have called by name, but which they do not understand. So prayer is more powerful than all of those things. And prayer, along with the word of God, these two things are the weapons that we wield in this spiritual conflict that we're in. We are right in the thick of it. It is uh, a time of, of intense spiritual conflict, as maybe you're beginning to see. And we don't have to look far to find uh, opposition that continues to rise up against Christ, against Christians, against the church, against uh, biblical understanding of life in the world. And we see attacks against all of these things right here in our own uh, culture, in our own society. Uh, we see the attacks happening around the world where literally people are being murdered uh, simply because they are followers of Jesus Christ. How do we contend against these things? How do we fight back, uh, so to speak? How do we push back on these principalities and powers? Well, we do it through prayer. And so here, Paul in verse 18, as he concludes this whole initial exhortation to put on the whole armor of God, he says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And so let's just walk through what he says here. Let's break it down and look at it, beginning with praying always. Praying always. So Paul is calling for a continuous attitude of prayer. Amongst, among God's people. So as he said to the Thessalonians, pray without ceasing. That's essentially what he's saying that we are to do. We're to pray always. Now, the Christian understanding of prayer lends itself to this beautifully because in the Christian understanding of prayer, uh, we don't have a specific location where we must pray. Um, nor do we have a, a specific time that we have to pray. Uh, many religions have a certain locations. You either have to be in the location to pray, or you've got to, in some cases, uh, direct yourself toward that location. Uh, not so with Christian prayer. We can pray anywhere. doesn't matter. You can be in a church building, or you can be on a beach, or you can be stuck on the freeway, 
or you can be in a classroom, or you can be on the job anywhere. You can, you can pray anywhere. That's a wonderful thing. And, and there's no specific time. As in some religions, you have uh, times when you pray, certain times of the day. But we are called to be praying all the time. No particular time of the day. We are to be lifting our hearts thousands of times over and over again throughout the day to the Lord. So what Paul is calling us to really is uh, being in a perpetual attitude of prayer. Uh, an attitude where we're just, in, that's our inclination. We're just, we're going to prayer all throughout the day as things come before us, as needs arise around us. We just, we go immediately to that. You know, I know a few people that are so naturally inclined in their, in their prayer that they, they can just transition from conversation with you right into conversation with God without skipping a beat. And uh, I, I like that. I, I want to be able to become that familiar with prayer myself, where you're just, you can be talking about something and then, you know, in the course of the conversation, maybe something comes up that is, that needs prayer and you just, without even saying a word like, well, let's pray, you just automatically start talking to God about it. That's the kind of thing that Paul is describing here. We're just going around in a, in a, a state of prayer where there's all day, every day, just continued communication with the Lord. And that's a beautiful thing. And what a, what a wonderful uh, privilege we have uh, to not only, you know, be invited by God to pray, but to be given that um, access any time of the day, 24-7. So Paul says, pray without ceasing. And then he says, uh, having said praying always, he says, with all prayer, with all prayer. Now, prayer is kind of a you know, general term, when, when we think of prayer, we think of petitioning a deity. That's normally what you think of when you think of prayer, right? Um, and that's pretty much what prayer is. I mean, sometimes people would even use uh, the term pray in, in petitioning a person, but generally we understand it to be the petitioning of a deity. But there's different kinds of prayer in as much as there are, there are slight distinctions uh, so prayer is the general term, but then you have uh, petition, you have intercession. Paul mentions here in the passage supplication on two uh, different occasions here. And so these are just different aspects of prayer. But Paul says, use all of these. Pray in all different kinds of ways. You know, prayers don't have to be long prayers. You can pray long prayers, and sometimes the situation calls for a long prayer. But you know, prayers can be very short. Prayers can be what you might call arrow prayers. You're just shooting up an arrow prayer to the Lord. And you know, they, they can be just, just as effective as a long prayer. If it's a sincere prayer from the heart, and just, you know, you can say it that quickly, God hears that prayer. Sometimes that's the way to pray. 
And sometimes, like I said, you don't have the opportunity to go into a long prayer. You're in a situation and it's like, okay, this, uh, a short prayer is going to have to suffice here. So use whatever means is necessary for the occasion. Sometimes we pray collectively as a group together or in a prayer meeting. Uh, sometimes you're praying individually. Paul's saying pray in all of these different ways. Just pray. The important thing is that we pray. Now, prayer, I have discovered, is something that's easy to talk about. And it's easy to get excited about it when you talk about it and you realize the potentials in it. But it is a lot more difficult to do than it is to talk about. Because when you get down to it and you really start to pray, this is when you are actually pushing back against the devil. And when you push back against the devil, of course, he pushes back on you as well. So there's a, uh, there's a battle that takes place here in prayer. And so we've got to be committed to prayer, regardless of, of how we feel about it. If we, if we pray only uh, as often as we feel like praying, we probably won't pray that much. We have to press through that, that feeling thing and we have to do this as a discipline. So praying always, praying with all prayer. And then he says, praying in the spirit. What does he mean by praying in the spirit? Well, what he's talking about here is that we would be directed in our prayers by the spirit. God has certain things that he wants to see happen at certain times. And what we want to do is we want to tap into those things that, that are on the top, if you will, I'll just use this analogy, but they're on the top of God's priority list. Lord, what do you want us praying about? And so as we come to God in prayer, we come asking him to lead us in prayer. Lord, you, you show us what's uh, at the top of your list. Lord, you put on our hearts the things that are uh, most pressing on your heart. And we're, we're asking God to lead us as we pray. That's what it means to pray in the Spirit. It's Spirit-directed prayer. And as we ask the Lord to do that, we're going to find that he's going to give us promptings. He's going to show us in various ways the direction that we're to go in in prayer. One of the most uh, frequent ways that you, you sense and feel that you're being directed by God in prayer is when you're praying with others in a group. Because what will often happen is there you are and you're, you know, maybe there's a half a dozen of you or whatever and you're, you're sitting there praying and somebody's praying for something. And then as they're praying, suddenly something comes into your mind. And you're like, yes, yes, we need to pray for that. I, I want to pray for that. Before you even get the chance to do it, somebody else suddenly prays for that. And you realize, all right, the Lord is leading. Yeah, we're on the right track. And then that starts happening as you go around the group. So that's one of the advantages in praying together with a group. You can really get that sense of being led uh, by the Spirit when you're praying. Now, that can, that can happen when you're praying uh, individually as well. 
There are times when you really, you start to sense that God is directing you. Whenever I start to pray, I always pray, Lord, lead me. If, if there's not something already pressing on my heart that I want to pray about, as I just go about my daily prayer time, I always start out, Lord, direct me. And always the initial part of my prayer is utter chaos and confusion in my head. I start out and I'm just kind of like, what? And I can't focus. I can't concentrate. I, I've got maybe 10 different things I'm kind of bouncing off of and I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm getting nowhere. But as you just keep pressing in, as you keep persevering, and sometimes I have to stop and say, okay, Lord, clear the confusion. Help, help me get some uh, clarity here on where we're going. But as you just press through, then things start to come into focus. And suddenly there's a thought in your head like, okay, pray for this couple. They're having a difficult time in their marriage or, or pray for that person because they're, they're being persecuted for their faith or, or pray for this family because they're going through a severe uh, financial crisis or, or pray for that fellowship that you know of because you know they, they've got some real challenges. Pray for that pastor because they're gonna be doing this outreach. So those things start to come into our minds and that's, how we can sense that we are being led by the Spirit. So Spirit-directed prayers, praying in the Spirit. And here's a great thing, too. When you're being led by the Spirit, God's laying these things on your heart. And to me, the very fact that God lays burdens of prayer on our hearts, it, it indicates to us that these are the things that God is going to answer. So I can pray with even more confidence. Lord, you told me to pray about this. You, you moved on my heart. You, you put this on my heart. So Lord, I'm believing that this is something that you are wanting to see happen. So we can even pray with, with more confidence as we pray being led by the Spirit. So praying in the Spirit. And then he says, being watchful. Therein. So there's to be a watchfulness in prayer. In other words, we're to be on alert or on our guard. We're to look for opportunities to pray. You know, oftentimes things arise in people's lives that call for urgent prayer. So we, as God's people, part of our task, part of our warfare, part of the way we wage warfare is we keep a lookout for things to pray about. We, we keep a watchful eye on circumstances and situations so that when something happens, we can go to prayer for that. In the ancient world, of course, they had with the, the walled cities, they would have a watchman who would be there upon the wall and the watchman was always looking out for danger, looking out for trouble. And whenever the watchman would spot um, any kind of a concerning situation, he would then notify everybody else that trouble was up. And so that's the picture. Being watchful, we're, we're looking around and we're seeing where are their places or lives or, or communities or families or, or personal issues or where, where are things where you, you see that there's, 
the enemy started a fire, or there's a real conflict going here, then we come together as God's people and we pray for those things. Being watchful in prayer. You know, just recently we had that situation in Kenya in Africa where that 147 uh, college students were murdered by these Islamic extremists. And, you know, that's caused me to, to be praying more consistently for that. So that, that's an example. I know people in Kenya. I have personal friends there. And I think that uh, they're in ministry. They're serving the Lord. And I think, well, they could easily be a target of this group. So, uh, so in this exhortation to be watchful, I'm looking at that situation saying, Lord, protect those people. God, be with them and you know, push back the work of Satan and so forth. And so that's just an example. But Paul is saying, be on guard. Be on the alert. Now, not only are we to be watchful, but then he says that we are to persevere. And perseverance in prayer is probably the most challenging part of it. Because like I've already said, prayer is hard. Paul refers to it in another place. Uh, He refers to Epaphroditus who labored for you in prayer. And that's a good way to describe prayer. It's laboring. And like I said, it's easy to... um, you know, hear a sermon and get excited about prayer or to read a book and get excited about prayer. It's a whole other thing to persevere in prayer because it's labor. It's tough. I I can get in my mind excited about a prayer meeting. Yeah, we're going to have a prayer meeting. We're going to pray for this. We're going to see the the enemy overthrown here and we're going to see God do his work. And so let's get together for prayer. And we're all excited. And then you get in the, the prayer circle and all of a sudden it's like, you know, something happens where this, this dark cloud just drops on top of you. This, this weight, this oppression just comes up on you, just kind of like pushing you down and, and sort of silencing you and, and kind of numbing your brain to where you can't even think and your eyelids, you can't even keep them open. Suddenly you want to just fall asleep and you're thinking, all right, well, I hope this prayer meeting gets over real quick because, man, I, I got to get out of here. You were so excited before you got to it. I'm describing my own experience quite often. <laughs> and, and then you find yourself, I, I can't even speak. I can't even articulate. I can't even think of anything to say about this. That's, that's part of the enemy pushback on us. That's the enemy's resistance. That's him saying, no, no, I'm not going to let these prayers go out. I'm not going to let this happen. I'm not going to let these people uh, drive me back from the ground I've taken. That's exactly what we're uh, intending to do. But in order to do it, we have got to persevere. Jesus said it. He told a parable to this end that men should always pray and not lose heart. And then he told the story about the the woman who went to the unjust judge and she said, you know, I want you to uh, vindicate my cause. And the unjust judge, he had no interest. He didn't care about her. You just, no, I, you know, leave me alone. Don't bother me. But she was persistent. She kept coming. And finally, he 
relented of his unwillingness and he gave in and he did so simply because of the persistence of the woman. Jesus said, God's not like that. That guy was unjust, but even even a person like that through persistence was worn down. He says, how much more is God, the righteous judge, going to respond to us when we come to him in prayer? But we need to pray, he said, and not faint or lose heart because that's what can happen. Jesus also taught us in prayer that we are to ask, seek, and knock. And when you read that in the Gospels, what's not indicated there is that in the original language, there's a continuance uh, of, of these things. The, the tense is that you would continue in them. So you could translate it, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. In other words, don't give up. We're not to give up on prayer. We're to keep on praying. We are to press through. We are to persevere Are you praying today for maybe a loved one? Someone said to me after the last service, they said, you know, you really exhorted us to to keep praying for our children. Our children aren't walking with the Lord and we've kind of just given up. We can't give up. We have to keep praying. Maybe you are praying for a loved one, perhaps a wayward child or someone near and dear that sin and Satan have overtaken. What can you do about that? You know, there's certain things we just, we feel powerless to deal with, right? We can't talk to the person. They're not gonna respond to anything that we say. And it looks like a a hopeless situation. Is there anything I can do? Yes, we can keep praying. Charles Spurgeon, once again, To quote him, he said this, he said, those who are short of breath and soul winning will never be successful. You know what he's talking about, right? Short of breath of the person who, you know, takes off on a little sprint and runs out of breath real shortly isn't gonna get too far. So soul winning, prayer, uh, seeing things accomplished through prayer is not a a short sprint, It's, it's a long distance run. And Spurgeon goes on and he says this. He says, if they are not saved after 20 years of prayer. Now, we would think if somebody hasn't gotten saved after 20 years of prayer, they're never going to get saved, right? Not necessarily. I have personally heard stories of people that have been prayed for for 30, 40, 50, 60 years. And man, talk about perseverance. These saints have just kept praying. And God has honored those prayers. Uh, There was a man named George Mueller who lived at the same time as Spurgeon did, actually, and he was in Bristol, England. Spurgeon was in London. And Mueller prayed for a group of people, and he prayed for them. Uh, I think there were four of them, and he prayed for a total of 60 years. And at one point, somebody asked him if he really thought the the person that he'd been praying for for maybe 30 years at this point, if he really thought that that person was ever going to come to faith in Christ, and he said, of course he's going to come to faith in Christ. God wouldn't have kept me praying all these years if he wasn't intending to bring him to faith. And it's true. So back to Spurgeon. He said, if they are not saved after 20 years of prayer, follow them up to the gates of hell. 
to the very verge of the infernal pit, follow them with your prayers. If they will not hear you speak, they cannot prevent your praying. Do they jest at your exhortations? They cannot disturb you at your prayers. Are they far away so, they can, so that you cannot reach them? Your prayers can reach them. Have they declared that they will never listen to you again, nor see your face? Never mind. God has a voice that they must hear. Speak to him, and he will make them feel. Though they now treat you despitefully, rendering evil for your good, follow them with your prayers. Never let them perish for lack of your supplication. Keep praying. Keep praying for those people. Keep praying for those loved ones. And you know, in some cases, you, you just, you need to quit doing everything but praying. You need to quit trying to talk them out of their sin. You need to quit pointing out their sin and so forth. They, they already know that. The Spirit of God is able to, to do that. There are times when you just have to back away from a situation and pray and let God do the work. They won't listen to you, but there'll come a point where they will have to listen to God. So persevere in prayer. And in situations that we see, you know, we have prayed a lot for Saeed Abedini, haven't we? And he's still languishing in a prison cell in Tehran. What do we do? Well, we keep praying. We keep praying that God will be with him. And, I, and God obviously has a purpose for allowing him there. And it's a purpose that we don't understand. Of course, we think that a situation like that should be immediately solved and he should be released from prison. And that would be the best thing from our perspective. But God's doing something eternal. And you never know what's going to happen. You know, there was a woman in the state of Texas, and she actually belonged to one of the Calvary chapels. And about 10 or 11 years ago or so, she was accused of murdering her, a child that she had adopted. And uh, she was really, it was, it was one of these things where um, the whole thing was, was just a miscarriage of, of justice. And she ended up spending 10 or 11 years in prison. She was just completely acquitted. Uh, all charges were dropped. She was released from prison. You know, it was all come out that the whole thing was, everything about it was wrong. Uh, she didn't murder the child or anything. But, but anyway, you know, she spent those 10 or 11 years in prison. And I said to Cheryl, because Cheryl was really familiar with the situation because she spoke at the church, and actually the pastor was a friend of mine, so I knew about some of the details, but as Cheryl was mentioning that she just was recently acquitted and set free and so forth, um, I said, but man, you know, the state took 11 years of her life, stuck her in a prison. And she reminded me, she said, yeah, and in those 11 years, she led all kinds of women to Christ and discipled them in prison. So, you know, God had a plan. And it's not a plan that I'm sure she would have chosen, right? I mean, if God said to you today, hey, I want to use you powerfully. I'm going to let you go to prison, let you get falsely accused and unjustly condemned and so forth, but I'm going to use you. We'd say, nah, Lord, nah, find somebody else. That's all right. I'll just, you know, it, I kind of like it out here. It's pretty nice. We wouldn't volunteer for this stuff, would we? 
but God knows what he's doing. And so with Saeed, we look at Saeed and we think, well, why, why is he still there? We've been praying for him. He's not out yet. Well, God's evidently doing something. He's, he's working something through Saeed and in Saeed. So all of that to say, but we don't stop praying. We continue to pray. Because even as we're praying, we're, we're praying one thing, God, you know, release him. But even as we're praying that, I think the Lord's just taking into account what, that the fact that we are praying and he's being strengthened and he's being sustained and he's being given what he needs for this season. So again, persevere in prayer. And then Paul says, and supplication for all the saints. Now, this word supplication, he uses it twice here. And this is where we have a little bit of a distinction. And supplication carries the idea of praying specifically for something. So with supplication, it's a more specific versus a more general kind of a prayer. So uh, if you're making supplication for someone there's going to be uh, more specific things that you're praying for. So in one sense, it, it uh, implies that there's going to be a knowledge, maybe a deeper knowledge of the, of the circumstances. Sometimes that can come simply through the Spirit. As you're being directed by the Spirit, the Spirit will give us things to pray about we don't know anything about. I've had times when I've prayed for people things that I didn't really even know why I was praying that. But later you run into them and you talk to them and they tell you what was going on in their life. And you realize, oh, that's why I was praying that. God gives you insight to make supplication. But then there's also those times where that information comes to us through, we seek it out. So what's happening in your life? What's happening in your ministry? What's happening in your family? What are the specifics? How can I pray for that? So supplication, but Paul says supplication for all the saints. You know, occasionally we might feel, well, I don't know, there's not really that much to pray about. There's a whole world full of believers to pray for, making supplication for all the saints. All of God's people need prayer. And we can engage in praying for all of God's people. Now, you know, here's the amazing thing about prayer. Again, you don't have to go anywhere. You can have an impact all over the world without ever leaving your own home. That's so amazing. You can be involved in God's work in countries that you will never visit in your life, but you can be involved through praying for the work in those places. You can engage in a a great harvest in a, a certain part of the world by praying for those who are doing the work in those places. And you see, all of God's servants need prayer. All of God's people need prayer. Just think, there's there's tens of thousands of churches in the United States alone. I don't know the number, but tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, probably. Um, But just think if every church truly prayed for the body of Christ, if every church was praying for every other church and all of God's people and every Christian was praying for other Christians, I think that that would produce something spectacular among God's people. 
Well, that, that's what we're supposed to be doing. This is part of the battle. This is the way we are to fight the devil. We're to pray for each other. Because I am a pastor, because I know what it's like to be in the ministry, because I know what it's like to, to preach and to prepare and all of that, Every week, I try to, as, as we come into the weekend, I try to spend some time praying for pastors all around the world. Now, I know lots of pastors in different places in the world, and I, I will pray for them specifically, but the majority of pastors, I don't know them, but I know they're out there. And so I just try to get in my mind's eye just a picture of the globe, and then I just go from country to country, region to region. I can't remember all the countries, but I can pretty much look at all the continents and the regions and just, Lord, for those pastors in that place, um, you know, it's funny because I often do this on Saturday when I'm uh, taking a run, and I'm always conscious of the fact that the Australians and the New Zealanders and those guys who are my friends, they're actually starting their church services then because they're a day ahead of us. And so I, I start with them because they have the, the urgent uh, need of, of the moment. But then I just, I just try to make my way around the world. And sometimes I, I spend more time in one place than another. And sometimes I concentrate more on one person than somebody else because God might put something on my heart. But, but sometimes it's just more of a general, Lord, I'm just praying for blessing. I'm praying you'd pour out your spirit. I'm praying your word will go forth and bless your people as they gather in some you know, places like African countries like Nigeria and some of these places where crazy things have been happening. Lord, protect your people as they gather to worship you against those that might come in and try to destroy or, or whatever. So you see, these are ways that we are called to pray, but not just pastors or missionaries, but Sunday school workers, all of those engaged in ministry, but not just that, but just Christians in general, praying for people who are believers, praying for families, marriages, uh, fathers, mothers, children, teenagers, uh, praying out for those who are out in the workplace in challenging circumstances and so forth. You know, oftentimes when we pray here together as a, as a staff, our pastoral staff, as we pray for you, as we pray for the congregation, we pray for you during the week. You're out there in the trenches. You're out there in places where it's hostile. You're out there working on a job and somebody just doesn't like you simply because you're a Christian. And they're harassing you and they're, they're working to undermine you. We're praying for you. We're asking God to, to bless you and be with you. Some are going through difficult times in the home. Some are battling with illness and things like that. We, we pray for those things. I often think of those in the, uh, the public education realm. We have many Christians who are out there teaching and administrating and, and serving in that kind of environment. It's a, it's a full-blown mission field. We pray for them as missionaries in their own communities. But see, these are the ways that we're to pray for one another. That's what Paul is talking about here, making supplication for all the saints. And again, this is, remember, this is the way to push back on the devil. This is the way. This is the primary way. These are the ways that God has given us. And if we put as much time into prayer 
as we put into some other things that are ineffective, uh, I think we would see greater things. The great, the great need, everybody's asking the question, well, what, you know, what do we need in the country today? Well, the great need is a spiritual awakening. We need a spiritual awakening. We need God to change people's hearts because the answer is not in any political party or in any political philosophy. Uh, there's no answer there. We need God to move. And that's going to happen. The likelihood of that happening increases as we pray. So making supplication for all the saints. In closing, I want to encourage you to make a commitment yourself to, to pray regularly. Now, statistics say that most Christians pray only when they're in trouble. I don't believe necessarily that that's true, but may that not be the case with us. Let's pray all the time. That's what Paul's exhorting us to do. If you're only praying when you're in trouble or if you're only praying for your particular problems or situation, if your whole life of prayer just revolves around yourself, then you're not having any real great impact against the kingdom of darkness. We've got to get out beyond ourselves. Not saying don't pray for yourself. We can pray for ourselves. And sometimes that's where we need to start. But we need to pray in this sense, praying for the things that Paul tells us here and the ways that he's shown us here. But again, I want to encourage you, set aside some regular time to pray for, for yourself. Try to just take a few minutes each day to just stop and pray for God's work in your life and through your life, for God's work around you, for God's work in the church. Pray for us here. Pray for the larger picture of the church. In 10 minutes, you can pray for a lot of things. But you just take that time. And as you just start with that little amount of time, and you, you will find that 10 minutes won't be enough. You'll need more. And you'll, you'll start giving more time. But we also need to be involved in praying together with others. So individually cultivating our own prayer life, but then also praying together with others. We have lots of prayer meetings at the church here. You could become part of that. You might just grab a few people and say, let's meet some morning or some evening for an hour and let's pray for something specific. Those are the kinds of... of um, uh, uh, specific uh, efforts that are going to, to bear fruit in seeing the work of the devil driven back. Many years ago, when I was a fairly new Christian, I didn't really know much. I don't think I'd ever read a book on prayer. I'd never even heard a sermon on prayer at this point, I don't think. But I just had an idea with a couple of friends because two or three of us got saved and all the rest of our friends were not saved, we thought, why don't we get together and pray for these other friends of ours? Let's just pray that God will do for them what he's done for us. And in our ignorance and in our simplicity, we did that. We just got together. We started praying regularly. And do you know, in a matter of about four 
or five months, that, that number started out with three of us. That number went to about 50 people. And here we were in a little apartment in Huntington Beach, and pretty soon you couldn't even find a place to sit in there. God had just brought all of our friends out of the party, drug, surf, all of that stuff that we just spent our lives doing. He, he just began to draw a, a number of those uh, people out of there. And here we are all of these years later, and the amazing thing is that with few exceptions, most of the people that were there are still walking with the Lord today. I was just up, Cheryl and I were just up in Santa Barbara this week with some friends that go back to those days, and uh, the guy happens to pastor a church up in Santa Barbara County, and um, he was one of the other, uh, the three of us, he was one that was part of that group, and uh, his wife was one that we prayed into the kingdom, and you know, so just looking at the fruit of what God's done over the years and seeing his faithfulness to answer prayer, I want to encourage you to pray. Pray for your friends. Pray for your family. Pray for the circumstances around you. Pray for the chaos in the world. Pray for the church. Pray for the saints. Make supplication because... Remember this, prayer is the most important thing. It's more important than all of the organizing we could ever do. It's more powerful than even uh, all of the armies that might assemble. It's more influential than all of the money in the world. And it's mightier than all of human wisdom put together collectively. Prayer is the thing that makes God's people invincible. Prayer is the great need of the hour. Prayer completes the armor of God. So in this battle against the principalities and powers that we are in, like it or not, we're in the thick of it. Prayer is the way forward. So God help us to pray. Lord, we thank you for the great privilege of prayer. We thank you for the power of prayer. We thank you, Lord, that through prayer, you do your work in our hearts and you advance your work in the world. And Lord, we need to pray more. So would you help us to do that? Would you help us, Lord, not to just listen and think it's a good idea, but help us to really commit and to engage in the activity of prayer. Lord, I pray that you would uh, bring together more prayer meetings, more uh, just small groups of people that will commit to praying for the things that you're doing and wanting to do in our community and in our nation and around the world through your church. So here we are today. Teach us to pray. Help us to pray. Thank you for the privilege of prayer. In Jesus' name. Amen.